0: fine so it is my absolute privilege to introduce to you dan harrison who has such an evangelistic gift in and i've known him for a few years and he's just really matured and really just walking in what god has blessed him in and gifted him in i've been out on the streets with him and he just has this anointing that people give their lives to jesus so he's going to be preaching today on our bouldering witness so dan i just want to pray for you mate before you you share god's word heavenly father i just want to thank you for dan and the amazing gift that you've given him and i thank you for his obedience that he's just walking in it and he's just allowing you to just lead him and give him knowledge and wisdom and insight father i just pray as he opens your word that you would be speaking through him father and that all the time he has spent just drawing close to you not even for a preach but just seeking your presence would flow through today and we just bless him in jesus name amen Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Thank you, Carl, and thank you for your affirmation that I have uh, matured. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm thrilled with that, is <laughs> what I needed here. Um, and, and also, Carl, I should say that having uh, preached the gospel to the kids um, on Friday and seen people respond and uh, with salvation, that is wonderful. Well done, and glory to God for every salvation that we ever see. It's all his work anyway, but Carl, well done for stepping out in obedience. Um, and what is so thrilling for me about that story is not so much the fruit at the end of it, although that's wonderful. It's actually the willingness that you have to listen to the Holy Spirit and what he was saying to you. Because evangelism isn't just about kind of the harvest at the end of it. And um, although we love that, when people raise their hands or when people say yes to Jesus and say, I want to follow him all my life, that's wonderful. But it's also about the sowing and the watering beforehand. So every seed that's sown, whether it's a conversation you have with your neighbor talking about the love of God and the fact that Jesus died for them and he rose again uh, to give them eternal life, the hope of eternal life, that's... That is still sowing a seed. Every, every seed that's watered with a work colleague over, over a coffee saying that um, I, I love Jesus and I want to worship, worship him all my life. Every seed we sow, every seed we water, God is pleased with that. It's not just the harvest, although we thank God for that as well. Because those seeds that, sow, that are sown will one day become a harvest. Amen. And so um, for even those that didn't raise their hands on Friday, we thank God that you sowed a seed. And we thank God that the, the seeds have, uh, that have been sown in our lives and in many lives before in this church um, that are now bearing fruit wherever they are, whether it's here or elsewhere uh, in the country. And I, and I should say as well, um, that, that was for free, by the way. I wasn't intending to say that. So I uh, uh, have that for free. But also just, just being here today, that there's, there's a sense that God is shifting something here and that God is moving. It's about It's about his presence, coming into his presence and worshipping him. So, um, you know, I thank God for the team here, for David and and for his team, um, and for what God is doing here, because it is all about his presence. And when we gather together, we should come with expectancy that God is going to meet with us, and that we get to know him, and we worship him, and we praise him, and we see great things happen, miracles, salvation, even raising the dead. Wouldn't it be great to see that? So I thank God for that. Uh, But uh, I just want to tell you a story. One of the things I do at the moment is um, I travel around the country, um, hopefully around the world at some point, (laughs) um, but uh, around this country um, so far. And three weeks ago, I was in Twickenham Green, and I was sharing the gospel on the streets there, and we were ministering with the church there. And I, I, it, was, it had been quite a quiet morning, um, and I don't worry about that. As I say, the seeds that are sown, um, that's, that's all that matters. But I hadn't really um, had any really fruitful conversations up to that point. So I was wandering back to the church um, ready for my lunch, and I saw this couple on the bench. And so I, I went up to them and approached them and said, uh, Hey, my name's Dan. Um, I'd love to talk with you if you've got a moment. And they said yes, and uh, I talked about why I was there and asked them, uh, could I pray for them? And it turns out this woman had uh, been part of the Greek Orthodox Church in the past, didn't really have any current faith. And the man said, yeah, I believe in God, but yeah, I don't really think I need Jesus. Um, I just, you know, I'm just happy as I am, really, so you don't really need to pray for me. Um, So I said, well, that's fine, I don't need to pray for you, um, but maybe I could just share with you something of what I believe. And so I shared the gospel, the good news of Jesus, how he loves us, how he died for us, how he set us free, how he rose again to give us hope, hope forever, hope that goes beyond the grave even. And at the end of sharing that, this guy said to me, do you mean that I can know God even when I'm not at church? And I said, yeah, you've got it. That's exactly why Jesus came. He didn't come just so that we could come here on a Sunday and experience his presence, although that's great. He came so that we can know God every moment. Not just every waking moment, but every sleeping moment. Every moment of every day for the whole of our lives. That's why Jesus came. And he said, you know, I'm feeling quite emotional. And I said, I would be too. When I realize that the reason Jesus came is so that we can know God. And so I led him through a prayer of salvation, and both of them gave their lives to Jesus in that moment. Hallelujah. Because Jesus, well, you can clap, yeah, I mean, it's, it's God's work. But Jesus didn't just come for a Sunday experience. He came so that we can know God's presence He came so that we can move with him in every aspect of our lives. He came so that we can share with him in everything that we do. In church, at home, at work, at school, in the gym, at the theater, at the football match. He came so that we can share this life with him and walk with him hand in hand and know his presence in everything that we do. And I just want to talk a little bit about his presence, because do you know you can do good things, even have great ministries, but still not fully experience his presence? You know, there's a a mega church in America and a high-profile minister recently who he had had a a significant moral failure and had to leave his work. Um, And he said, this is what happens when you minister from a dry place. When we minister from a dry place, when we act from a place where we are far from God, you can actually have some quite successful ministries. This church was growing, and history is littered with the the people who have done great things for God, but they've got things wrong themselves. They've been ministering from a dry place. And I I don't want to be that person. I want to minister from that place of his presence, worshipping him, praising him, walking with him day by day, moment by moment. Loving him. I want to carry his presence. And throughout the whole of the Old Testament, the worst thing that could have happened to the Israelites was that the people of God would be sent from his presence. In Jeremiah 52, the judgment had been pronounced by Jeremiah. And it says that God would send them, would thrust them from his presence. Think about that. A life without God's presence. The Israelites who had been chosen, where God had rescued them from slavery in Egypt. He had made them his own. He had called them from the beginning from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, his very own people. He says in Exodus 19 that they would be his holy nation, God's treasured possession. And God was thrusting them from his presence. You see, that was the worst of all things, and it still is to be thrust, to be cast from his presence. And we come to this passage in Ezekiel 37. It's a famous passage. Because without his presence, this is what this passage says. It's like being dry bones. Nothing. Useless. Pointless. Absolutely rubbish. And I'm just going to read from this passage just for a moment. Um, and it's, you can find it, find it in Ezekiel 37. And this one should come up on the screen. Some of the others may not. It depends. Um, I, and I'm going to read from verses 1 to, uh, I'll say 14. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He's, uh, this is Ezekiel. And he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will lay sinews upon you and you will cause and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. And it continues as God tells his equal to prophesy more. But it says here that when God breathes then life comes. In other words, when his presence enters them, that is when life started. And that's what happens right at the beginning. What was the first thing that brought life to Adam? It was his breath, his presence. Before that, he, it was like he was a statue, useless. And then God breathes. And the same thing happened again. The disciples in the locked room. Jesus that had, had died and they, they didn't know what to do. And Jesus enters the room and he breathes on them. Receive the Holy Spirit. The breath enters them. The breath enters Adam. The breath saying live to the dry bones. And God brings life. And because life isn't really life without his presence. It's just existing. It's like being a statue. But his breath comes and it changes everything. It brings life as he intended it. Life to the full. And God says to Ezekiel, do you see these bones? Can they live? And he says, you know, Lord. You alone know. And so when it's prophesied, they live. Because you know we can do good things. We can actually have great ministries. We can extend the building project or extend the building even. We can raise the dead. But without his presence, it's useless. It's his presence. And just to say about the, (laughs) I'm going to say the gift day, sorry, gift and pledge day uh, next week. If we give, out of some kind of obligation, just because we feel we should. That's okay. You can build successful ministries off of off doing something out of obedience. That's true. But if we do it because we've been in his presence and we invest in this to say, Lord, we need your presence in this building. We need your presence to bring salvation. We need your presence to bring healing. We need your presence and your word to set us free and to set the people around here free. That we'll see the community transformed. We can do good things, but his presence is what we need. And I just want to kind of pick up on a few things about God's presence that we, we know from reading the scriptures. You see, his, his presence exposes sin. And I don't know whether you've noticed that sometimes we choose not to use the word sin. We might use things like failures or mistakes or rubbish or things like that. And that's, that's true. That's all part of sin. But sin is, is the biblical word. It's like it's the separation from God. It's, we are so far from him, so vile, so ungodly, so subject to his wrath and judgment. That's what the Bible talks about sin. And his presence exposes sin. Think about the Israelites as they're standing there. They've come out of Egypt. They're by Mount Sinai in Exodus 19. And the presence of the Lord descends on the mountain. And as he descends on the mountain, the people of God are like, whoa, we are, we are such sinners. Do not speak to us. Don't let the Lord speak to us, for we shall surely die. That's his presence. It's, it's making us aware of our sin. And then we see that throughout as the Ark of the Covenant is, is brought to various places. The glory of the Lord, the people fall down on their faces aware of their own need for God, their own sin, that they cannot be in his presence at that point. That they cannot stay there because if they do, they will surely die. And it's told in a couple of places, but in 1 Chronicles 13, the story of Uzzah, David is rejoicing as he's carrying this Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, and uh, he doesn't carry it in the right way, and so the ark, the ark falls off because the oxen stumble, and Uzzah reaches out to, carry it, to stop it, and he drops dead, and David's like, whoa, my sin. And the Israelites said, well, we cannot be in the presence of God because of what it does to us. Because we cannot be with him because our sin is not compatible with a holy God. It exposes sin. And we see that even in the New Testament. When Peter preaches on the day of Pentecost, what is the response of the crowd? They're like, what must I do to be saved? They're so convicted of their sin. The presence of God has been poured out on the early disciples. And they preach this message. And this message says, you are sinners, but you can be saved through Jesus' love and through his blood shed on the cross. And they say, what must we do? Because his presence exposed the sin. And it continues when we are in His presence. Truly, we recognise how unworthy we are, and how worthy He is. And because it doesn't just start finish there, if I got off now and just said, "Yeah, His presence exposes sin," that wouldn't be much good news, would it? Because it, in the Old Testament, obviously, they couldn't maintain themselves in His presence. The high priest once a year. One day, only he was allowed into the presence of God to make atonement, to to keep them from dying, basically. To shed blood so that their sins could be atoned for. And all that pointed forward to the day of Jesus when he shed his blood for us. But in the Old Testament, they couldn't stand his presence. And yet we see the New Testament believers and we see ourselves that when we allow Jesus into our lives, we can stand in his presence because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. If we go to uh, Hebrews chapter 12, it it says this about his presence. "For uh, For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. He's talking here about Exodus 19. We, we have not come to that mountain. We don't need to fear coming into his presence. Not fear in an anxious way, not in a sense that we will surely die. No. The writer to the Hebrews says this, you have come to mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in feastal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks of better words than the blood of Abel. In other words, Jesus' blood makes it possible for us to enter his presence. He's carried his blood into the most holy place of all. His blood shed poured out for us so that we can receive his forgiveness. And when we receive his forgiveness, we invite his life into ours. And we can stand in his presence. The Holy Spirit came upon prophets and priests and kings in the Old Testament. He came for a purpose, a specific time, at a specific moment. But now the Holy Spirit has been poured out on all flesh because of Jesus, because of his blood shed on the cross. And so, and so his presence exposes sin. But we are not consumed. We can live in his presence. We can carry him wherever we go. And it doesn't just stop in this life, it carries on forever. That is the good news of the gospel. His presence exposes sin, but he gives us life by Jesus' death on the cross. Because it's not just forgiveness we get on the cross. We actually get his righteousness. So in other words, it's as if Jesus takes on our life of sin and death on the cross. And we get his life of perfection and righteousness and life forever. That is the good news of the gospel. That is the good news of what Jesus did for us. His blood shed on the cross. And we can live in his presence moment by moment. So his presence exposes our sin. But his presence also brings healing. You know, earlier this year when the second wave was really biting and, and, uh, and we could see the second lockdown coming, I, I as a physio wrote to Watford General or spoke to a couple of people at Watford General and said, do you want my help? <laughs> of course they said, yeah. Um, and so I went into this, this environment where there was such sickness, such death. And I hadn't really worked on a ward for a good few years, but I just offered my help. And as I did so, I was really intentional about this. I felt, Lord, you've opened this opportunity for me. I want to go with your presence into that darkness, and I want to bring your light. Into that place of sickness, and I want to bring your healing. I want to go into that place where there is death and bring life. And so I prayed this every day. Every day, I would walk, as I was walking and I'd say, Lord, if you do not go with me, do not move me on from here. As Moses said in Exodus 33. And so I asked the Lord, fill me and help me to bring healing and show me how. And of course, I'm aware that in a hospital setting, I can't just go around preaching the gospel. (laughs) I I have to use discernment. I have to open myself out and say, Lord, what is it that you're doing here? How can I partner with you in this moment? And so uh, there I, I started treating patients, and there was one patient that I was told to go and see by by one of my seniors, and she just said to me, "Can you go and see him? Be careful. He he has lots of postural drops, which means his blood pressure is is dropping whenever we stand him up. We haven't managed to get him out of bed yet." So I said, "No, no worries." And I'll be honest, I didn't do what I'd like to think I'd do, which is. I want, to, I want to pray for this man as I'm going in. I'm thinking really holy thoughts as I'm walking in. But no, that didn't happen. But I had prayed previously. And so I walked in. And um, I, the first thing I did was checked his blood pressure. And it was okay. And then I sat him on the edge of the bed and took his blood pressure. And he was okay. I stood him up, took his blood pressure, and it was okay. And then I'm thinking, well, the next step is to go for a walk, which means I've got to leave the safety of the bed. But he's Okay so I'm going to try and walk this. And then I'm remembering that I'm carrying the presence of God with me and thinking, okay, I'm going to b- believe for this, this gentleman that he can start to walk. And so I, uh, I take his blood pressure one more time just to be safe. I didn't have that much faith. Um, and, and so I then start walking with him. And he's got the frame and I've got my colleague with me and he started walking. We get to the edge of the room. I thought, well, I better take his blood pressure again just to check his blood pressure was fine. And then we get out the room and I, I have these row physios going, have you checked his blood pressure? I was like, yes, he's, he's okay. And we walk up the corridor back, we take him back to bed, and his blood pressure didn't drop again. And you know what? I thought that was a bit of a coincidence. And you must have heard the phrase, when you pray, coincidences happen. So anyway, I thought it was a bit of a coincidence, but praise God, uh, they're, they're a bit better, and uh, it took a few days, but this person went home. Then I went to another patient, and they'd, they'd just come down from intensive care and hadn't been out of bed for a couple of months. And they said, "We haven't just come out of bed yet. Um, uh, just be careful. You, you, you know the, the usual drill." So again, the, exactly the same thing happened. I got them on the edge of the beds. I ch- checked their blood pressure. I stood them up, checked their blood pressure. I walked them check their blood pressure, put them in the chair, check their blood pressure, they were fine. Praise God. Oh, maybe it's not a coincidence. And that's, that's just what happens when we carry God's presence. Whether it's on the street, sharing with an elderly couple, or whether it's in a hospital, or a school, or a church. His presence is all that matters. And Jesus brings healing. Earlier this year, I was in Cardiff. And to be honest, I was getting hungry after a morning of sharing the gospel. And <laughs> uh, when I'm hungry, it's much more difficult to share the gospel, I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, I was ready to go back for my lunch. And um, so I was waiting for my friend who I was with. And she, uh, she needed to go to the toilet. So she went to the toilet, and I was waiting. And then she needed. To, we were outside Sainsbury's, so she bought some food. I was like, come on, I'm getting hungry. And then she walks out, and she sees this lady on crutches. And I'm thinking, please, no. <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> um, th- yeah, th- this is honestly what's going through my head. And so, um, but the lady walks up to her, who has much more faith than I do, obviously, and, and walks up to her and says, hey, we, would you like us to pray for you? And then when she said yes, I thought, Okay. Lord, come and heal this lady. So, so we prayed for her. It turns out she'd broken her ankle in two places. And she'd come out the cast but hadn't been able to put much weight through it since. Um, and my physio mind gets to going, well, come on, let's go for it. And then I think, don't I believe in supernatural healing as well? Yeah. So uh, the person I was with started praying. We started praying. And we said, in the name of Jesus, because it's in Jesus' name that healing happens only because of jesus what he did on the cross by his wounds we are healed and so we declared over this leg that she is healed and we said try it out and she took one step and she had a little daughter with her i'll never forget her face she's like mom what, what's happening she was genuinely scared and we said it's okay we're not going to let anything happen to her god has touched her and then she started walking and she began to walk. And in the end, she walked away without her crutches. We then shared the gospel with her. And, and she gave her life to Jesus. And not just that lady, that daughter encountered the presence of God. And there is nothing like it. There is nothing like the presence of God. And at the end of Hebrews 12, it says this, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. He's a consuming fire. But because of Jesus, we carry his presence. And he can bring healing and deliverance and salvation and joy and freedom and peace. That is what his presence does. And then his presence guarantees and confirms victory. I just want to have a look at um, a story of of Joshua. You know, Joshua is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Because he brings victory, doesn't he? He takes the Israelites out of Of the wilderness to the promised land he he goes over the Jordan miraculously he does all these wonderful things he he defeats Jericho in in an amazing way and he establishes Israel as a nation what a wonderful leader that's what we think of when we think about Joshua the one who was all conquering military victorious wonderful and in Exodus 33 it says this about him from verse 7 I think this one should come on the screen Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of clouds would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. Thus, the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. I'm going to just come on to Joshua in just a second. But just want to point out that when the presence of the Lord was there, the people worshipped him. So when do we have the presence of the Lord? Always. So we can always be worshipping him, always praising him, always bringing glory to his name. On Sundays, yes, when we're together, that's very important. But also, all the time. And then this is the bit about Joshua. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. So Joshua this mighty military leader the one who established Israel as a nation in the promised land this great leader was first and foremost a worshipper before we do anything we must be worshippers before we go out and preach the gospel we must be worshippers before we go and and heal the sick, we must be worshippers. Before we raise the dead, we must be worshippers. We must be people of his presence. This was Joshua. And let's face it, this is the case of all those great leaders in the Old Testament. Think about it. when, When Moses and the rest of the Israelites were at the Red Sea, the Egyptians were chasing them down. Now, Moses believes in, in God's presence and is told to stretch out the stick, to stretch out your staff and see the waters parted. Imagine if God's presence wasn't with him. He's just waving a stick. Imagine if God's presence wasn't with the Israelites as they marched round the walls of Jericho. They're just doing a walk. And this happens time and time again. When God's presence was there, Israel Israel achieved great victories, and some of them were bonkers. Think about Jehoshaphat. They started worshipping and singing, and they, the, the opposition, the, they started killing each other. Or Gideon, there were 300 of them smashing jars, and that's it, and they started killing each other. But when they thought they could do it on their own, they lost. In Numbers 14, they say, Oh, we've been disobedient, we have sinned, we are going to go and take the land. This was after the 12 had gone into the the promised land and said, and two of them had come back, Joshua and Caleb. This is a good land. The 10 of them said, no, well, it is a good land, but we can't take it. Um, And so they decided to stay where they are. And Moses says to the people, do not go now, for the Lord is not with you. What did they do? They went and they got beaten back. God's presence guarantees victory. And the ultimate victory is that Jesus' blood was shed on the cross to save us from our sins. But the ultimate victory is that Jesus didn't stay dead. The grave is empty. Jesus is alive. He is alive and he's reigning in heaven. He's seated at the Father's right hand and he's interceding for all of us. He's speaking on our behalf and he has sent his Holy Spirit on us so that we can carry his presence wherever we go. His presence is with us. His presence guarantees victory. He guarantees us victory in an ultimate sense. (laughs) But he also promises that when we pray in his name, things happen. It says at the end of Mark 16... And I'm paraphrasing, I don't know the, it, exactly, but it says, when, when we preach the gospel, these signs shall surely follow. You will speak in other tongues. You will drink poison and it will not harm you. And you will lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. Amen. So when we preach his name, we can trust that signs, wonders, miracles will follow. And ultimately, as I said to Carl earlier, all we do is be obedient to Jesus. Yeah. We lay hands on the sick, let Jesus do the work. Yeah. We preach the gospel, let Jesus do the work. We love each other, let Jesus do the work. We spend time in his presence, let Jesus do the work. Earlier this year, um, one of my, my very close friends died. She was diagnosed with cancer um, four weeks before she died. She was 32. She had two kids. And uh, she was a bridesmaid to Helen at our wedding. And Helen was her bridesmaid. And, of course, a very painful time for us and for her family. And you can imagine what it's like in that moment. Because I'm believing and praying for healing and trusting the Lord but it's so painful, and it's still painful. And I kind of wonder, kind of, why, why Jenny and not my Helen? Why Johnty and not me? Why her kids and not my kids? And ultimately, this is a position of trust. And she died on a Friday. I was actually away. I drove home. We spent the weekend together as a family. And then on Monday, kind of things, the kids went back to school, and, uh, and Helen went to work. And I was left at the home. My first real time to process this with the Lord. And this is what I mean about being in his presence. Because even through the hardest stuff, we can still carry his presence. And so I was asking all these questions before God. And he just said to me, do you trust me? I said, I try. I try. Well, what have I asked you to do? And the truth is I was reminded of what he'd spoken to me earlier, which was that he's calling me, to be someone who shares God's love with others. And as, as Jenny died, the, la- the last things she spoke about on Facebook were the, all the really important things. You know, she spoke about her husband. She spoke about her kids. She spoke about her friends and her extended family. She spoke about ice cream. She spoke about all the really important things. But the one thing that stood out was when she said, I know where I'm going. I trust in God. Because his presence guarantees victory even over cancer. Anyway, so I'm praying, and this is all going through my mind, and I was just reminded. God wants me to share the gospel. But I don't feel like it. I'm not in the mood. Do you trust me? All right, I'll go. So anyway, I was on my own, and um, I walked out my house, and I walked into the town center. And I was walking around St. Mary's, and I was still kind of thinking, I don't really want to be here, Lord. Um, So if this is you, can you make it really, really obvious why I should be here? And (laughs) I I wasn't in a great place of faith. I was just stepping out in obedience. And Lord, I, I prayed as Moses prayed, if you don't go with me, I'm going home. And so I approached this guy. And I said, is there anything I can pray for you about? And he said, yeah, um, I've just lost someone really close to me who had cancer. And so I said, I'm so sorry. I've just done the same thing. I've just lost someone really close to me. Can I pray with you? And then after praying with him, I I just shared with him the hope that Jenny had. And the hope that is available to all of us today. The hope in Jesus' name. That whatever the circumstances, we can know God and love him and trust him. And that ultimately, we will be raised back to life again. Where there is no cancer, no sickness, no suffering, no pain, no death. And this guy gave his life to Jesus. And that day, in total, four people gave their lives to Jesus, and I wasn't really in the mood. (laughs) And it's a good job that God is, always. So I'm going to give an opportunity now for for each one of us to respond, and for each one of us to place ourselves in a position where we want to say, I want to live in God's presence every moment of every day. We can invite Jesus into our hearts, maybe for the first time, maybe for the, for the thousandth time. This is a daily thing. Paul says to us, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. This is an opportunity again for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to pray it line by line. Why don't you repeat it after me? And just let's give our hearts to Jesus, and to living in his presence right now. So pray it after me. Lord Jesus, Jesus. I thank you that you love me. me. I thank you that you died for me me. to forgive me for my sins. sins. Thank you that you rose again again. to to give me hope forever. I'm sorry for living life my own way. I want to live my life your way. I want to live your presence. Fill me with your spirit. Help me know you. Help me walk with you. Every step of my life. And if you prayed that prayer... And you mean it, whether for the first time or for the thousandth time, that you want to live your life in God's presence. So that when we can be bolder in witness, it's because we're doing it in his presence, in his name. I'm going to invite you to stand. Just as a response to say, Jesus, I'm yours. So let's do that now. If you want to live in God's presence, let's stand. And let's just open ourselves up to receive the Holy Spirit now. wants to touch a few people's lives so firstly if you prayed that f- prayer for the first time and you're standing here for the first time to say yes to Jesus to, re- uh, to commit or to recommit your life to Jesus I wonder right now in the presence of God whether you could just raise your hand is that anyone here if you prayed that prayer for the first time And if online, that's you, why don't you just put it in the comments? The moment's lost, not lost, that's okay. If that was you, come to the front in a moment when we invite people forward to pray. So there are just a few people I think God wants to meet with. I think there are some people who feel particularly impacted by what I've said. As in, you, you just feel convicted this is you. You need a top-up, a refreshing in God's presence this morning. When, when we start singing in a moment, I'm going to invite you forward. And we can, we can lay hands on you and we can pray for you. And ask the Lord to touch you. But I also sense there there might be some people, um, that these are words of knowledge I believe God gave me this morning, about that the Lord wants to touch you to bring healing, to bring hope into a situation. So I believe there's someone here who is suffering particularly from anxiety, and that's particularly related to COVID. Um, and there's, there's suffering to such an extent that what, what's going to happen next and um, what's going to happen to family, that kind of stuff. If that's you, come forward for prayer in a moment. Um, there may be someone here, or I believe there's someone here who has experienced the death of a parent recently and uh, needs a touch from God today, a touch of his comfort. Come forward for prayer. Um, I I believe there's someone here who's had bad news about a job, Um, maybe a redundancy or something like that, or that it's moving away, something like that. Um, Come forward for prayer. We'd love to pray for you. And then um, I also sense that there might be someone here who's had a diagnosis about dementia. So if you want prayer for those things, do come forward as we start to sing. Let me just pray for us all. And uh, then I'll invite people forward. So, Father, we thank you for your presence here. It's all about your presence. It's all about Jesus. And we love you. So, Holy Spirit, now come. Come and move in power. Bring healing. Bring restoration. Bring life. Bring your presence. That's all we need. And, Lord, may we be your people to serve and love you and to love this world as we carry your presence. Jesus, come by your Spirit. If you want prayer for any of those things, do come forward as we begin to sing. We'd love to pray for you.